Welcome back, everyone, to the Waffling Tailors podcast. I am one of your hosts. What, 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 what are you doing? Which we won't do. I'm introducing the people to the podcast. Look at the clock on the wall. Yeah, that's not a problem. You're meant to be flying out in an hour. Oh, fuff. To the Waffling Tailors podcast. I am one of your hosts, Scott Frogman, and with me, as always, the venerable, the amazing, the absolutely super duper lovely. It's Squidgy. Say hello, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. How are you, Squidgy? Hello, Squidgy. <laughs> it is good to be back again. That was me clapping. I may end up cutting that out. I'm not sure yet. We are completely doing this on the fly, like we totally do every time. The fly will sit still. Exactly, right? That's why I have to clap so much. That's it. We're flapping about the room like nobody's business. We're clap flapping. Clap flapping. That sounds... Anyway, let's not go down that way. So, um, yes. <laughs> Welcome back to Waffling Tailors. I want to say season two. I don't know. What do you reckon, Switch? Season, season two. two? You mean year three? We're in year three, season two. Let's do this George Lucas style. If we were doing that, we'd have started like year five. Listen, right? Gone to nine and then gone to minus three and then introduced Jar Jar Binks into the latest episode, which is nine, and then said, Jar Jar's my favourite character because, you know, reasons... So let me put it this way, Squidge, there's a podcast that I listen to called The Bugle, and it is a hilariously stupid podcast. If you like absurd comedy, you've got to listen to this. It's presented as if it's a newspaper, but... Um, is that the Who Pays for the Nation's Cheese thing? Later, Who Pays for Our Cheese? So that was... Oh, God, what was that? It's along the same lines... That was Brass Eye, wasn't it? Now? Yeah, it was along the same lines as the show that became Brass Eye, but yeah. Um, but, like, it starts with... The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. As if, as with every issue of the Bugle, there's a certain section that's going straight in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the horoscopes and sports news? Probably, yeah. yeah. But, yes, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, yes. Oh, no, what I was going to say was that one of the hosts of the podcast left. Huh. And then they had this, like, two or three months of getting other people in and... Uh, and then they moved to season 4,000. What you're trying to tell me is you're on another podcast, are you? No, I'm not. You know a new host. Your, no, your, no, your no. way of becoming like one of the top podcasters is to have all of the podcasts. I agree with Jay. You're the Jay. Andy Zaltzman, if you're out there, I can be totally on the podcast. I'm not very funny, but I would I'd probably be on the podcast. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, so what I'm getting at is that when they decided to go to a new season, instead of going to season three, they went to season 4,000. Just... Straight up into the future. Anyway, right, we're getting off topic. It's not There's a topic? Anyway, we need a topic. So, um, for those who don't know, maybe you don't follow us on Twitter, I'm not sure, um, Squinty and I took a little break. Um, I think Squinty relaxed in the Technodrome for a little bit. Um, but what I did... Well, uh, do you want to talk about what you did, Squinty? Or are you not bothered? Not really. There was no relaxing involved. Oh, that's a shame. Well, what we'll do is we'll leave the listeners to their own devices to figure out what it was that you did. Um, so join us next time. So I've just gotten back from, I said just, uh, as of recording, it's three days ago I landed mm. um, back in the UK. I went out to Japan, so the people who follow us on Twitter and listen to the previous episodes, yes, I went out to Japan. I have recorded a bunch of little sort of audiograms of what I was doing that day and where I was going. Wise, all wise. 
Only the bits that are lies are the yeah. lies. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and that's what I was trying to put across. Exactly. So we're going to be talking about that. I'm going to splice those into this episode with a little bit of piece of music. Um, so when you hear this... That's when you're about to hear one of the, what I'm calling Jay's Japan Diaries. Or at least that's what I called the first one when I recorded it. I think I was on a boat when I recorded it. But there you, go. <laughs> you were on a boat. That's right. On a boat. That's it. That's better on copyright. No, Redak out last time. Fair enough. Um, so what we thought, what I thought we could do real quick is do a little really quick catch up of what have you been playing, and then we'll do the Jay's Japan Diaries, and then we'll do the bit that we recorded. So Squidgy and I got together and recorded some stuff before I went to Japan that was going to be this episode, but I'm going to throw that in as well. So essentially, we'll have three times as much content, which means we'll have about one and a half episodes. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick around and, and listen up because you'll, you'll hear it, I guess. So there you go. Stick around and listen up. You might learn something. We don't know what we're doing. At least I don't. You think I have a clue? You know more than me. Well, that's a good point, but only vaguely. Anyway, yes, so Squidgy, since we last talked, which I'm going to splice in at the end, <laughs> what have you been playing? I've played Borderlands Remastered. Ah, yes. I read it on Steam, so you got a free download update. I thought it should be a quick update. PHC textures. It's classed as a sec- uh, separate game. So I played that, completed it within about 20 hours, and didn't take long. So buy classed as a separate game. When you go on Steam, you have to click on a separate tab. Right, it. okay. So it's a fresh set of achievements, that kind of thing. So... I guess it doesn't allow you to bring your save files on. It does. Oh, right, what okay. it does is if it detects a previous save file, because they've they've introduced the um, golden chests into mm-hmm. which they brought in Borderlands 2, which you've got codes from back then. It was the Borderlands uh, Facebook feed. So you get unique like head skins and you get golden keys for the chests. They brought that into the first one. If it detects you've got a previous save, you get 75 to start off with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that. Didn't use them, just com- just completed it, went through, it was normal. Getting used to mouse and keyboard again. Then I've been on Borderlands 2, and I went back, I realised that there was a new character in um, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate on the, on the Nintendo Switch, and it's Joker from Persona. Oh. And it turns out that everyone's playing as him, and now I know why, because it's, it's kind of like he blinks and everything flies away from him. He's very overpowered at the moment. What I'll say about that, right, is um, the story broke, I think, whilst I was on the flight back, um, that someone at, at Kotaku had said, this is a disgrace, they're being really horrible, because they thought that the, um, the lyrics in the song were uh, derogatory towards disabled people. And they were like, oh, I can't believe Nintendo would do such a thing. They would completely forget that that character's music was in the Persona 5 game, which came out last year. They're like, this is a brand new thing. I can oh, Persona it. music, yeah. Yeah, but what actually happened was, um, well, Kotaku have always been a clickbait website. Mm. Um, and they survive on, you know, the old, you remember when we used to watch uh, TNA? And they had the sign that said, controversy creates cash. Yeah. That's almost literally how they survive these days. Mm. Um, so, there you go. Yeah, just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, so I'm playing Zim for a bit. Um, he's very overpowered. So, me and Ike were here. We were playing that just the other day. And we were getting lots of unlocks and spirits and what have you. And, um, yeah, doing that. And I realised that he's very overpowered to a point where all I've got to do is... Um, just run and do a smash attack which I'm playing on my tinfoil and um, I've actually got a wireless GameCube pad 
Oh, yeah, what are they in? Yeah. No, 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 no. The A52 ones? No. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Official Nindo one. Sit back and do that again. Official Nindo one. You know, it says switch oh, all over yeah, it. yeah, yeah. an official Nindo one. And um, the, Nindo, the, that's a callback. Yeah. And the um, the smash attacks is the C-stick. So all I'm basically doing is hoofing it towards them and flicking the C-stick and kicking the crap out. They've just got flying. Imagine if Popeye walked into a brawling pub. The amount of people that fly out the windows and all over the place. That's what's happening. You just hear a, a, a smash sound and people go flying. And it's always comical when you hit them, they go up on the screen and then they go flying towards you and hit and slide down. <laughs> really funny what that happens. I've been playing that and I've also been playing... Um, I realised I got this and didn't, played it once and then had the magpie effect. Ooh, shiny, someone new came out. Fire Emblem Heroes. Mm. So a, a Warriors-esque game in the universe of Fire Emblem. And what I will say is it's not just a hack and slash. You, it's, If you ever played Fire Emblem's game and you know how technical and strategic you've got to be. Imagine that, but you've got to be that on the fly while trying to batter the crap out, whatever. Doing missions you don't know, you've got like 10 seconds to do, so they're really fast. Each character's got strengths and weaknesses, and you've got to send them to different parts of the map to do different things. So, for example, there's a class called a Pegasus Knight, and it's a female knight on the back of a horse with wings, a Pegasus horse. And they've, they've always either got a, a spear or some sort of ranged weapon. And they're really good against ground troops, but archers and people wielding axes, they're super weak against. So you've got to make sure they don't go different places, and you can partner up with someone to increase your friendship, which gets you other stuff. It's got a levelling system that's almost carbon copied from um, Hyrule Warriors, so you've got to get bits to unlock bits to do other bits. And, whatever. and it's um, to a point where it's really damn difficult. Mm-hmm. And I keep flipping, pausing it and going to the map to tell people to go places. And it's, it's just so intense and difficult that I played it for about an hour and my brain started leaking out my ears. <laughs> I mean, there's hack and slash games and the strategy games. And this is sort of like, here's both at the same time. They both require your full attention. Mm-hmm. But you can only do one thing at a time without pausing it. But yes, so what I've been playing is Japanese arcade games. Like in arcades in Japan. I also played Space Invaders on the side of a building and I defended the city of Fukuoka against Godzilla. Single-handedly, I might add. Oh, yes. So I'll go through those, right? So I played Initial D, the sixth stage. Not seventh. No, not the seventh. Just sixth. They, they seventh, haven't installed that Seventh yet. one's not out yet. Um, ah. So that, was, that cost me 100 yen. So in international terms, at the time of recording, 100 yen is 68 pence. 89 US cents. So super cheap, right? 100 yen ago, what you do is you put your 100 yen in, and then if you've got one of those ID cards that they have, you could jump to the level you were last at, or you can store where you are with your character. ID cards? You mean they offer memory cards? Yeah, essentially. It's a, a credit card style card, and it's called an ID card. And you use them for different games, and you can store where you are in each game and, uh, you know, and get a level and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. So with the initial day one, I played the first race. The first race took about eight minutes. <laughs> it is an amazing game. It really is. Did the whole car move? Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. assume you sat in the car. Oh, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the whole thing was like sliding around like as if it was turning while I was... Brilliant, it was. And when I got to the end of the stage, 
that's the end of the game. That's your 100 yen spent. Um, you then get to, if you have a card, you can tap it on the NFC card reader and it will store that you've done that level, the speed that you did it at and all the experience points you gained. So, because you, like every game, you gain experience points, right? And you can buy um, upgrades for your car with these experience points. Or you can store them up and buy something else. So I played that. Um, I did see the Dissidia Final Fantasy arcade game and... It was one of those I was telling you earlier on, Squidge. So, if you can imagine a pinball table, right, a pinball machine, but it only has sort of half the play area, and instead of it being a pinball play area, it's a touchscreen screen, and the back plate is a normal sort of LCD screen. At the back, you've got the screen at the back, and you've got this sort of half-length pinball table. And what happens is... Um, your character is sort of jumping around and doing stuff and you have to tap the screen right, to make the characters do stuff um, and what was great about it was the same sort of cabinet there was a different game in the same sort of cabinet and it was a sort of like a total war sort of real time strategy game and you could see the, the battlefield on the screen at the back and you could change the camera angles and stuff and you could see all of the troops all rushing in and doing their battle stuff um, but on the bottom screen, it showed you like an overhead map of the, the entire area. And you remember on like uh, Command and Conquer, where you would draw a circle around the troops and then click and drag them over that. You essentially do that, but with your fingers. There was a TV show like that a couple of years ago, wasn't there? Yes. Not a couple of years ago. It's like 10 or 12 years ago. It was They were, they were essentially using a version of Rome Total War. It was mm-hmm. either the first or the second one. And you had a group of students... And they were told, right, we're going to put you in this battle yep. in history, and you're playing as the underdogs. Yeah, what you've yeah. got to do is you've got to win, but the only way you can tell people to, to go is there's a massive table at the sound, mm. and they can command the troops. Yeah, like you would you, yeah. in those sort but, of... If you think back to World War Two movies or any kind of war movie where they've got the big sticks and they're literally pushing things around. Yeah, on but they, they, the they had to. They were touching the screen and telling them to move stuff, and you had people at the side on PCs were doing it for them. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they'd look up occasionally, and you'd see like the the proper view of the battle, like the in-game battle. Mm-hmm. You see the proper view and how they were doing, and you have statistics and stuff. And then you would do all the stuff. I mean, they almost never won. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it, it sounds similar to that, but obviously on a smaller scale instead of like massive screens and mm-hmm. touch stuff and whatever. What I'm going to show Scridge is... Super jealous right now, by the way. Right. Because he, he was in the motherland for gaming and I wasn't. You can't really tell by looking at the screen, but there was also a game, and the picture I've taken is a bit too blurry, so you can't really read what it was called. What's the House of the Dead Crimson there? There was a House of the Dead game, but it was like House of the Dead 6 or 7. It was like the brand new one. That's Crimson. Oh, well, there you go then. Oh, I want to play. That's so bad. What I'm going to do is I'm going to show Squidgy a photograph I took of a mech game. Where this is going to be lost on the listeners, but I'll show. I'll put the photograph in the um, in the show notes. You remember the Estevalis? Mm. In the Desco. Me the If you could try and describe what you see in Squidge. Heaven. So essentially. So it's... essentially, you've got a screen in front of you, it's encased. So the top and the sides are encased, so you get more of a view. You're sat in what looks to be a command chair. You've got two uh, joysticks for movement. On either arm of on, the chair. On, so one on either arm of the chair, and you've got a few buttons either way. If you can imagine... There are also foot pedals. So foot pedals. So if, yeah. if, if you've ever seen the controller for Steel Battalion, mm-hmm. imagine that without all the buttons in, in, in the middle. 100 yen ago. Done. Right. Open call. Skegness, you're possibly the best for arcades and stuff other than Blackpool. You've got a lot to learn. 
you need to up your game because I need to go halfway across the world to feel like home. Yeah. You're not getting your phone back. I'm smashing it on the floor. Well, how, how am I going to put the picture in the show notes? I don't care. You shouldn't have shown me this. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. Fair warning to anyone who clicks through to the show notes on the website. There are going to be a lot of photographs in this one. Uh, just because I want to show you, like, the Dissidia Final Fantasy game and all of the different shops. The Dissidia Final Fantasy, that's based on the new one that was released on the PS4. It was... It's a fighting game, isn't it? Yeah, but the thing is, it was, it was a lot of you had to play the free mode. Mm-hmm. to unlock enough experience to unlock another stage. So essentially it was saying, right, go off, play the free mode, get used to it, get used to the battle system, and then we'll do some story. But if anyone played the PSP tiles out route, the first one was like a chessboard, like, mm-hmm. like a board game, you move across, you did stages. The second one was like open world. Imagine it was essentially the Final Fantasy VIII map, and you had like gates and stuff with 3D, but everything else was flat, and your character floated, and you went everywhere. Right. Um, and the second one was really cool, because what it did was it introduced a certain battle mechanic. And what right. it did was, instead of you just freely running around and smacking buttons down and doing stuff, what you could do is it had what was called, I think it was a active time battle mode, where it's, you could move your character, but at certain points, you push the button when a bar filled up, and it was kind of like free movement while it was still like active time battle. It was really really hard to explain, but if you played as a character that wasn't fighting-based, so a, a magic-based character, so the person I got furthest on that one was, say, uh, Yuna okay. in the Final Fantasy yeah. X style, so she was a summoner. And I kicked the living crap out of anything that moved because I could do magic from a distance and they didn't get close enough to me because I shot a lightning bolt right up where the sun don't shine <laughs> whenever they got close enough. Um, but the... I don't know, the, the the PS4 version, I mean, it says a lot after two weeks, it was cut in price by £20. I I wasn't a fan of it. I got it, I played it. I eventually got used to the, the way it played. Yes. But it took a while. I mean, there is a lot of unlocks on it. Mm-hmm. You can buy, like, different music, costumes, more power-ups. But PS4 version, I just wasn't a fan. I preferred the PSP version. So there are a lot of Japanese arcade games that just would not work on the home consoles, which is why they don't get converted. There was one that was kind of like a Guitar Hero game. No, it was kind of like Keyboard Hero, so Guitar Hero, but with a keyboard. <laughs> For some reason, I've just got this picture of Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, right, Accordion Hero. No, um... <laughs> <laughs> so I've been playing those, um, but the other thing that I really, really... So, uh, yeah, what I was trying to get out earlier on was the show notes are going to be quite detailed, so there'll be a number of photographs because I want to share them all. But in the uh, Jay's Japan Diaries, I talk about certain things, like we went to this museum. I was telling you earlier on, Squidge. So obviously there. you don't want to go over it twice. If you yeah, no, no, well, but what I mean is there's going to be lots of links in the show notes so you hmm. can click through and see what's going on. Lots of links in the show notes. <laughs> Obvious joke, how to make it. Oh, I need to go back. But the two best games that I got to play, I was telling Squidgy about them earlier on, were just, they're just amazing, right? So did you, or you obviously know Squidge because I was telling you earlier on, but did you know Squidge that last week, as we are recording last week, Space Invaders turned 40? Game Boy turned 30 recently, didn't it? There you go. Uh, yeah. not, not to detract from what you were saying, but yeah. Mm. I've, I've still got mine. Mm-hmm. Given that I am actually 30. But the, the, the screen... The protective glass on the screen's fallen off. Mm-hmm. But that's still with it. It's just loose. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of stickers on it. 
Also, I'll, you can put it in the show notes with a picture of it. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Um, instead of just saying that, sorry, instead of just saying it, I'll see if I can find it. Just hold on a second. Squidgy is currently having a look in the background, but the reason that I brought up Space Invaders is because A, it turned 40, but where we were staying in a place called Canal City, which is in Fukuoka, essentially they were playing Space Invaders, but on the side of the hotel. So folks, um, he showed me pictures that made me jealous. I'm going to show Jay something that I picked up on a retro fair the other day, which the guy who I bought it off said he was quite sad that I bought it, but it's something that I pointed out, and believe me, I wanted commission for this. But... This is a fully working, albeit crap batteries in the back, Game Boy. This is the best one I've got. Yeah, yeah, I was there with you, remember? That was in was Leeds. It? Yeah. Was it Leeds? Yeah, it was. Where did I get from? Oh, it was, it was the other one, wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, take a picture of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll take a photograph of that. So I won't say what it was. I will just say check the show notes, essentially. Mm. But, so to go back to what I was saying, right? Canal City. So imagine it's a shopping centre. It's a five-floor tall shopping centre split across two buildings, right? And there's a canal that runs through the building, right? On the ground floor level. And um, on the other side of the canal is a Hyatt Hotel. And they were doing this thing. So uh, you should totally Google, do some Google binging, do some YouTube for Canal City Fukuoka uh, water feature. Because what they do is in, in the middle of the canal, every hour they play some classical music and they have this choreographed water display that goes with it. And it is wonderful. They're all brilliant. So what they did was they projected a Space Invaders game onto the wall. And it was called Space Invaders Groovy Invades Canal City. And um, I did film it, but I'm not very good at filming because my hands are a bit shaky when I was filming it. So I'll share parts of it. Hmm. But essentially, it's playing a game and the Space Invaders come in from the side and stop in the middle. And a, a reticule ends on them like a... a is it a reticle? That's not the word I'm looking for. What is it? On the end of your gun, where you can aim. Like in, a sight. Um, yeah, like a sight lines up on it. That's, target. Um, yeah, like um, a sight or target. Crosshair. That's it. Yeah, like a sight, target, crosshair, whatever. Lines up on them. And what you do is everyone has to clap at the same time when it happens. And when you clap, the ship that is being piloted fires at the space invaders. This is being shown on a five-story building in front of you. So there's hundreds of space invaders on screen, right? And then when you beat them, you get to the boss. The whole time, there's a representative from Taito who makes the space invaders games, who holds the license to the space invaders games. They're telling you what to do. She's yelling out to clap when you need to clap. And when you take on the boss, it's one of the UFOs, right? Mm. And she, she keeps yelling out, clap, 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 clap a lot, clap a lot. And you have to... You have to clap He's clapping, by the yeah, way. of course, yeah. yeah. You've got to clap a lot and get these sort of progress bars up to 100, at which point your ship then blasts this super bullet or whatever at the UFO, and then it ends, and then you get told your score. Nice. And it was loads of fun, because mm. everyone's involved, you know. I was filming it, but everyone that I was with was involved as well. And the Godzilla one, so that was the other one, right? So at Canal City, just slightly before the time of recording, they had a... everything was Godzilla. Like, the entranceway is branded Godzilla. Mm. You walk in, and there's a Godzilla statue you can go have a picture taken with, and, um, and all that kind of stuff, right? And on the last night we were there, they did a special one-night-only Godzilla fight thing. Mm. Same sort of setup. They close all the windows and the um, the curtains at the Hyatt Hotel, and then play this video over the top of, of the side of the building. So five floors of... I mean, five floors is massive, right? And I, I filmed it all. Like I said, I'll try and edit the video together so it's not so bad. So it's good hmm. for watching. Um, and 
yeah, you, you're playing and you're watching it. The first two or three minutes is this really impressive CGI footage of Godzilla appearing and then destroying a CGI version of Fukuoka on his way to Canal City. Nice. And they filmed it so that when he, she, I'm not sure, I think Godzilla's female, but when Godzilla finally gets to Canal City, it's supposed to break through the Hyatt Hotel. Oh, so nice. the final shot is it going... Yeah! through the wall at you, you know. Yeah. And the way they did it was they, you know, the um, the holograms that they used to have dead performers perform live? They did that, but blasted some water up at the front, so it actually came past the building into your face. It was well good. Uh, holograms, I thought they did that with uh, MJ, didn't yeah, they? MJ, Slater, Tupac, rhythm. Yeah. and stuff like that, right? Mm. Um, and essentially, yeah, it's one of them, right? But that happens and then it fades out and then it comes up and says quickly quickly everyone get your phone and do a search for canal city go to the official website and there's a button that will appear on your phone because a you're browsing on a phone and because you're browsing right now whilst the game is on right you push the button and your screen you get like a i don't want to say what technology was but i would guess like a a html5 game that pops up on your screen and you've essentially got a button that says fire and you're told turn the speakers all the way up on your phone, right? And you're watching the screen and holding your phone wherever you would hold it, with your finger poised and ready to fire. And it does this um, quick go to the thing for about a minute or so to get everyone on there. Once you're on, Godzilla comes back on screen and starts screaming at you, starts swiping to try and attack you. And you've got to push the button to fire a rocket at Godzilla. They're ice rockets, you've got to freeze Godzilla, right? And you keep bashing the button. And what's actually happening is, or from what I was able to discern, is it detects where you are in relation to where the image is being projected. When you hit a button, hit the button on your phone, it fires the rocket on the screen from where you're standing. So if you're on the second floor, it fires with a slight downward trajectory. If you're on the ground floor, it fires with a slight upward trajectory. If you're standing in the middle, it fires directly towards the middle from the center of the image. If you're standing on the right-hand side, it comes from the right-hand side and it hits Godzilla on the side. It was brilliant. Definitely. I've recorded it, Squidge, so you should watch it later on when we finish recording this because it is absolutely amazing. Definitely worth. Um, And... They only did that for like one night because it was advertised really heavily hmm. the entire time we were there. Whenever the radio was on, it was like, come to Fukuoka and go see the thing. It is... So I've got Godzilla Day, bring the family. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, But I mean, they only did... I want to say they only did two or three performances of it and the first one was at eight o'clock at night. So, yeah, it was... I mean, it is brilliant. So definitely do some Googling for Canal City hmm. water feature. And I'll try and put some videos in the show notes because it is brilliant to watch. I mean, I want to end up going anywhere to Japan, gaming with land, yes. to to see Canal City because you've I've, I've saw pictures when you went before. There was a picture of Canal City and there was you a little bit at the side. Yeah. You remember you showed me that the first time you went. A couple of reasons I want to go. I want to go just because of that. I want to sit in that mech. Yes. And also, if I can time it right, and if they ever do it again, I want to go to one of the Resident Evil events if they ever do yeah, it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to try that out. Because mm-hmm. I've got a feeling that I'll either go through it laughing or I'll get heavily into it, pick up stuff and actually beat the performers with it, you know, that kind it of thing. Is now a good time to tell you that in Canal City they have a Moomin cafe. You can go into the Moomin cafe and have selfies with gigantic, like life size um, uh, statues of Moomins and all the different characters in the Moomins. I think we've just lost him, folks. 
And then on top of that, for those of you of a Harry Potter interest, there is a up until November of this year, so November 2018. 19. 2019. See? So I'll come back to how I messed that up just then. I'm going to leave that in. Hmm. But up until November 2019, there is a Harry Potter wizarding, a world of wizarding cafe. So you go in, you can buy products that are only available at that store. And you can go in and have like potions and butter beer and yeah, all pumpkin that kind of pasties. Stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. All that stuff that's only available in universe sort of thing. I'm not that big of a Harry Potter nerd, but I do like listening to the um the audiobooks by Stephen Fry, so I know a lot about them. So what happens in November this year, um, is it becomes a Fantastic Beasts cafe. I want Niffler. Anyone that likes Harry Potter will understand if they watch the first Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Nifflers are awesome. So what I'm saying is, to all the listeners who want to experience... Like, seriously, we kept saying when we were walking around together as a group, avoid Tokyo like the plague. There's nothing wrong with Tokyo, um, unless you've never been to a big city. Tokyo is essentially a Piccadilly Circus in London, right? Um, don't go. I've only ever been once, and I was there for a day and essentially saw it all. Um, so, the, so you know, I know people who go to Tokyo for a week, and I'm like, what did you do? <laughs> After the first three hours, you've seen all of... Like, when you think of Japan, right? When you think of footage of Japan in, like, news reports and stuff, you're seeing Tokyo. Everything you've seen in those news reports, you've, you can see that in a day, because it's all on... Effectively, all on maybe the, the same two or three blocks. Yeah. We were incredibly lucky, because we got to see, like, real Japan. So Fukuoka is real Japan. It's you, temples and yeah, roads yeah, and scenery of, and yeah, yeah. So we were staying at the hotel at Canal City, right? You come out of that hotel, you turn right, you walk down the street, and you go past three convenience stores, right? And then you turn left, and there is a massive, and I mean massive, temple. If it was a building, you know, like a, an office building, it would be five floors, and that's just it's like. High-rise building, shop, shop, shop. High-rise building, temple. High-rise building, shop, 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 shop. Crossing. They are, they're like right on top of each other. It's the only place in the world that I know of that I've ever been to where they are that close. And it is amazing. And the people are amazing. Seriously, though, if you ever get to go to Japan, avoid the big cities. Is it, is it sort of like the cities of the touristy bits? Um, like the mainstream touristy bits? To be fair, you could go to Tokyo as long as you avoid the Ginza. And, like, when you think of Tokyo... You're thinking of a very specific street. What you are seeing in your head, if you think Tokyo, tourist, news, big neon signs, you're thinking of one very specific street. Right. You're probably either thinking of the Ginza, which is where all the shops are, like is essentially Piccadilly Circus, hmm. or you're thinking of the crossroads. Yeah, I was going to say, there's, there's like... At the edge of the Ginza. Three, <laughs> three, three massive crossroads on yeah, the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, tons yeah. Of, yeah. You, can, you can do that in half a day. Because, I mean, the Ginza goes on for a long while. And then you can go to Akihabara, which is where all the electronic shops are. And when you go there, if you are a foreigner and you're leaving the country, when you finish, you know, you're, gonna, you're on holiday, whatever you buy, you can claim the tax back on. Cool. On the way out. You need to keep all of your receipts to do it. Pro tip, if you go to Japan, keep all of your receipts. You can claim the tax back. Um, you have to do something with your passport. I didn't bother doing it, but you have to do something with your passport. They need your name and address and stuff. Give, give a passport number. Type yeah, thing. that kind of thing. prove who you are. That yeah. Kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> and if you're into fashion, you go to Seki, uh, not Sekigara. There's <laughs> yeah. If you're into 
So, for the people who don't get that, Sekigahara was the decisive battle in the Sengoku Jidai. I'm just imagining a lot of fashion designers having a massive brawl. <laughs> it could happen. Pulling um, hair, punching. What I meant to say was Shinjuku. Which is, <laughs> yeah. Which is where, you know, if you think... If you think cosplay, if you think dressing up, if you think Japanese fashion, oh, it's that's there, what Shinjuku yeah. is. That's a part of Tokyo. But again, if you've been to London, you've been to Tokyo, right? Just with everyone speaking one foreign language. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. There's a bunch of places that are really cool to go there. There's a bunch of really cool shrines and temples and stuff. But if you're not into shrines and temples, don't go to Tokyo. Cause it's useless because you're mm. either going to go shopping or you're going to go... Shopping or history. Yeah, shopping or temples, and that's it. That's your entire choices. Um, places that I would recommend if you if you want to go to Japan, if you don't want to go to the south, which is where we went, which is where I love the down south. Down south in Japan is, is phenomenal. It's like Osaka and stuff like that. No, no, this is, sorry, this is Kyushu. This is the southern Oh, island. Kyushu, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're in Honshu, the main island, I would say Osaka is pretty nice. There's some really, uh, again, I'm all about Japanese history, right? So there's Osaka Castle, which is, Yukimura Sanada, he stormed the castle. Mm. Um, Kyoto, yeah. Yeah, Kyoto has uh, Kinkakuji, which is the golden temple. It is a temple that is covered in gold leaf. Because um, Kinkakuji I've, literally. I've seen leaves. pictures of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah do a good. K I N K A K U J I. I'm having to think of how to spell it. M O U S E. All I can see is the kanji. Yeah. So I'm having to convert it to. Yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah, that is a gorgeous, gorgeous temple gorgeous you can't get into it but you can stand off to the side and take photographs of it it's gorgeous um, and then yeah I would say go down south because you see the real Japan you don't see touristy you see real And the other place we went was Hirado. <laughs> now, Hirado is incredibly important for Japanese history. I won't bore you all with the Japanese history lesson, but essentially the reason why is because of a man called William Adams. A name rings a bell. So, have you ever seen Shogun? You ever is read, that him? If you've ever seen Shogun or read them... I can hear is that because you said William Adams? I can hear the birds outside, yeah. It's because you said William Adams, isn't it? So it's very important because of William Adams. If you've ever seen the TV movie Shogun, or you've read the book uh, by James Clavell that the TV show is based on, Shogun, that's a fictional retelling of his life story. Good God, I ain't got the time to read that book. It's massive. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good 25, 26 hours is, is, if you were to sit and read it all the way through. Is that all that ends mid-sentence? No, no, no. You're thinking, oh, a different you're book, thinking the tale of the engine. Yeah. Um, but William Adams essentially was a British man working for the Dutch import-export company. He could speak English and Portuguese, which is why the Dutch hired him. Because reasons, people. Well, yeah, but, um, hmm. but yeah, and he sailed, he was their pilot. So a pilot is kind of like a navigator and a captain at the same time. He piloted the ship. He was the first Brit to get to Japan. The other people who were there at the time were the Portuguese. Now, the Portuguese had gone around the bottom of Africa and up through uh, around near India and Korea and got there that way. So their their journey was longer, but the shorter journey was more perilous because you could hit, you could hit land at any point. None of that had been mapped. When he got there, he realized that the Portuguese were essentially using their ability to trade with the Japanese. They were the only Westerners who were allowed to trade with the Japanese. They were using that as leverage to sort of force conversion on people to Christianity. 
I'm not going to go into whether that's a right, good thing or a bad thing. So the Portuguese had been um, teaching people Portuguese so they could communicate with them. Hmm. He managed to communicate with some court officials who knew Portuguese because he knew enough Portuguese to learn Japanese. Yeah. He told them that these Portuguese were from a country called Portugal. And at the time, the Vatican, the Pope at the time, had said, Spain, God has said you can't have China. No matter where the people who live there, God has said you can have it. And he, he said to the Portuguese, Portugal, um, the big man on the, on the big seat upstairs has said you can have Japan. Don't matter who lives there, it's your country now. And when William Adams was able to prove this to the shogun, right, Tokugawa Ieyasu. Oh, what a dude. Yes. With the one of three oh. people who managed to realise the, the idea of joining uh, Japan together. In a very clever way. Very, very clever way. Um, when he was able to prove this, that he asked, that started the, sort of kick-started the get the foreigners out of our country and the persecution of the Christians in Japan and um, and all that kind of stuff. He's, but Nagasaki and Hirado are incredibly important for, for Japanese history because of that. So you walk around Hirado and there are statues of Anjin-san or William Adams. Um, essentially, he became known as Samurai William. The full word that you would use to describe what you see, what you think of when you hear the word Samurai, is Samurai mm. Warrior, mm. right? Because the Samurai were, is essentially a high-class person. Yeah. Right? Simple from the high classes, right? So a Samurai Warrior would be a well-bred, well-educated, well-off... Very sophisticated person. Warrior, yeah. yeah. Very sophisticated, very well-off warrior, right? Uh, a soldier, but who has lots of money. But a samurai merchant would be someone who has lots of money because they made it selling stuff. Mm. Yeah, and they elevated their family position by being really rich. So he became a samurai merchant because he made loads of money, and that's how he made his money. But uh, you walk around Hirado, and there are buildings that have his name on it. There are buildings dedicated to the Dutch, buildings dedicated to the English. There's, you know, it, it is, it's a wonderful little town. And I say little, we only walked around a small part of it. Right? Hirado, Fukuoka, Nagasaki, that whole area. Sasebo, that whole area. Wonderful country. Wonderful people. We went to a, uh, a restaurant in the middle of nowhere, right? There was also a ranch. Like a horse ranch. <laughs> Husbandry, I think it is, you know, where they raise the horses. One yeah. of them. But it was like styled as if it was a like a Montanan ranch. Mm. It was genius. Wonderful it was. Yeah. Definitely. Anyway, this is no longer about video games. But that's what that's <laughs> some of the stuff that I did in mm. Japan. And you'll hear more of it as you listen to presumably part two of this whole episode. Mm. But there we go. Uh have you got anything else? Oh, um, whilst, also whilst I was there obviously Squidgy knows because I gave him it but uh, and Twitter knows because I told you all about it um, I was at um, a video game retailer mm-hmm. second hand video game retailer this is why I need to go to Japan in Nagasaki right this is oh, right and I was just walking through and on the shelf oh there's a couple of PS1 games I'll have a look Squidgy's always after a couple of PS1 games oh look Final Fantasy 9 so I take it off the shelf and it's in I mean, you've seen Andy Squish. It's pretty much Absolute perfect mint. condition, isn't it? I took it off the shelf and uh, I took my phone out and I was texting straight away. So we used like WhatsApp and Hangouts and stuff straight away. Send you a message. Hey, dude, I am looking at Final Fantasy IX in perfect condition from Japan. Do you want it? And I don't think I even managed to come out of the app because I send them, if I use my phone, I send a message, then close the app. I don't know why, I just always have them. And I didn't even get out of the app before it was like, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it. 
<laughs> now I said buy it three times, not five, but still. Exactly right. Yeah. But yeah, I ended up uh, I ended up chatting to the guy who runs the shop whilst he was looking for the discs and stuff to put in the box, and uh, managed to score myself a thirty percent discount, which is pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. So what would have been a thirty to forty pounds worth of imported secondhand game cost me four pound fifty. It's the um, the Japanese release. It's where the you open it up. And the artwork on the disc is like um, historical artwork. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a Mano's original. That's artwork. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know the name, but it's 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 that artwork, and you've got um, like Zidane and Garnet Dagger on the first one, and you've got like um, Steiner and um, Vivi. I want to. I really want to get these right. I don't want Lulu killing me. And then you've got like Amaran and someone else on the fourth one. I can't remember who's on the third one. But yeah, that's that's gone on the shelf and it's staying there. Yeah, especially for the price you paid for it. Bloody hell. Yeah, right. You would not like. I we kept saying the entire time we were there, you wouldn't get this anywhere else in the world. And yeah. We didn't. We there was no way that you would get treated as well as we did if you went to Tokyo, if you went to Kyoto, if you went to any of the big tourist trap cities. And I just, I, and I realised, I said, go to Kyoto. But once you've done the temples mm. and you've seen the sites. It's, it's more of a, it's, a welcoming, homely, kind of welcoming, homely, yeah. really, really polite, really nice. Come in, you know, come in, it's fine, sit down, take a seat. Yeah, yeah. We'll I, chat with you, we'll have Yeah, it. exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. And the Japanese people that I met out there were absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Wonderfully wonderful. I can't even, I can't sing their praises enough. And it was partly because of who we were as a group. I'm not going to say what was going on, mm. but who we were as a group and why we were there. And so partly because of some of the people that we know. And partly because just being polite to people pays dividends. And we were being super polite to people. And I was, it was hard at times. When I was when I was doing the main translating, because we met up with a few locals and a few people who live there who do translation as a job, so they were just they were on it. Hmm. You know, whereas I was like, it's been five six years since I've had a proper Japanese conversation, so I'm a bit all, all over the place. But I did find that if I started my sentence with "Sibemasen, watashi no Nihongo," which means "Excuse me, my Japanese is really bad," but I was going to say that that sounded very familiar. Yeah, well, I started it with that. Then everyone that I talked to was really um, accepting and patient. I was going to say patient. And yeah. I kept getting, I kept getting told, "Yeah, I'm not on your Hong Kong Your Japanese is really good." <laughs> and it's only because the the mannerisms and the ability and and my like I'm having to communicate in two different languages. It's not easy to do that. Doing that after having years of not doing it, and one person said to me, "Hey." Have you ever thought of being an interpreter? And I kind of went, oh, right, I'm not so great at it, but, but it spurred me on to maybe take a test to see where my Japanese is. Like like, like smaller events. Yeah. Yeah, like, like parties and what have you. And we're not talking like NATO. Oh, of course not. Thingies no, no, no. what have you. Not, not like no. massive conferences, but, but like smaller events. I would genuinely yeah. be interested to see where my Japanese is at. Um, Just to see how much you remember. Yeah. Whereas I, I, I can't speak it. I can barely speak English, to be honest. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Because this reprobate, right, when he originally wanted to be a games programmer in Japan, yes. he did everything in Japan, literally. You name it. TV shows, movies, music. He had no concept of what headphones was. I can pretty much recognize the difference between someone speaking Japanese and one of the Chinese languages. I have no idea what they're saying. 
I can tell you what language it is. I roughly know bits. I know most of the insults. <laughs> I mean, given that I am from a, an English-speaking country, when you learn a, a foreign language, the first thing you're taught is insults, because that's how it works. I pretty much know I could babble at you nonsensical Japanese, because I've listened to a lot of it. <laughs> but uh, what I will say is the music, especially the rock music, oh, just if, if you ever need a pick-me-up or to get... I mean, a, a lot of my gym playlist is Japanese rock music, because it's... Japanese rock music is kind of like thrash music and death metal music. There's no gentle way to go in. It just smacks you in the face. It's instant. the most fun things that we did that I did at the very least was we're walking around as a group and one of the people in the group is six foot eight <laughs> and it's when you hear this muffled Wah! which is how the Japanese might say wow and then I can turn around and say yeah he really is tall in Japanese da okina yeah yeah okina and then they kind of flush red and run away brilliant <laughs> Can you imagine what it would be like if I was walking there with my hair? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so for, obviously this is an audio podcast. For the people who aren't watching, um, Squidgy has... Would you like me to describe it? No, the, the, the easiest way to describe it would be to imagine... You know the rap star 69? Uh, ah, okay, compared that, to him, I know, except that if he brushed his hair and looked after himself. And wasn't in jail. And wasn't in jail and didn't have dreadlocks. It's very similar to that, except you were... I, and I don't mind saying you had yours you've had your hair like this for like four years are, are you talking the green in it or the overall dye colour yeah, the whole everything like this is oh like, it's over ten years now. yeah it's a very long time you've had yeah. your hair like this it's only recently that, that obviously this rap star 69 has become um, like the past, past couple of years isn't it? yeah 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 so my hair is basically um, the left hand side of my head which if you look at me is there right where the the bangs or the front part of it is is black, so jet black, and then the back part of it is red. There was a reason for this. Both sides of my head was originally this. Um, it was originally just pillar box red, bright red, and then the hairdressers I go to said, "Why do you put black at the front?" Basically, because if I ever need to go to a job interview, I could tie my hair back because I've got long hair, and it would hide the and it'd hide the red. What I'm thinking is, and don't worry about how I'm going to do it, which I will post some photos in the show notes. <laughs> We'll do it so that cause you, would, would you, would you like, like to take some photos of like my hair not tied back like it yeah, is now? Because you like to remain mildly anonymous, don't you? So what we'll do is we'll take some photos. And don't worry, I won't go into how we're going to do it, but we'll do it. And then you can see Squidgy's hair because it is amazing. It really you, is. you would say that now that I am washed in a couple of days. Uh, have you got anything else video game related, Squidgy? Um, I'd like to say that I've unlocked everything on Resident Evil 2 Remake, but oh, I, slightly, yes. I slightly cheated for that. Now, it's only for the consoles. There was a DLC released. It was about two weeks ago. So, when when you're in Japan. Yes. And it was... Um, I turned on my Xbox One, because I was, I was doing a lot of PC stuff with the Borderlands going on. I turned it on to make sure there was no updates and stuff. I went into the store, and it said, Resident Evil 2, new DLC. And I've got all the DLC. I think, oh, what's this? And it said, all unlockables for £4 over here, which is like £5. Uh, $5. In America, I think. I'm not mm-hmm. too sure about the other countries. I had a quick look, and they had a few pictures. They had, like, Hunk, and I, I thought it was, like... Because you get, like, in-game models and pictures and stuff, which all of them have unlocked. 
And he said, no, you get all the unlockable weapons as well. Now, considering I got, if anyone's played Resident Evil Remake, as Claire, which for me is the harder one, I got all the way up to the labs with two saves on hardcore, which is you get bit once by a zombie, you're on danger. If you if you if you're lucky and you're fighting a boss, if they hit you once, you'll be on danger. Otherwise, you're dead. Right? Poison kills you very fast. Mr. X is very fast. I mean, I, I started playing on hardcore, so I should know this. But I got all the way up to the labs by the second save file. Then I saw this DLC and I thought, I'm just as good as I've already completed it. And I was there at 1 hour 40. So I thought, you know what, I'll treat myself. <laughs> and that made everything a lot quicker because I'm running around with a rocket launcher. And I, I had the mantra of when I was playing it, because I, I started playing with hardcore again with a rocket launcher. You only have to dodge like two zombies, or a couple of zombies, then you're at an you're at item box. And I had the mantra of when in doubt, shoot your feet, because you can't kill yourself with a rocket launcher. So I was aiming down a lot, and zombies were ragdolling and pinrolling, and Mr. X, I would, whenever he'd pop up, I'd say, down, bitch. I'd shoot him, he'd be on one knee, and then first time I shot him when he pulled the, the chopper up, I shot him, and then I just said, yeah, you stay there. Oh, I felt good. I do know that listeners to the show, now will be very interested to hear that. He's one of the folks who listens to the show, and he does Ooh. occasionally sort of streams. He calls it a spoopy stream. Spoopy! Spooktober! Yeah, that's the one. Spoopy doop. He was streaming uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake before I travelled to Japan, so I think you'd be interested in hearing that. Hmm. That you can that you can shoot at the floor with the rocket launcher and it won't kill you. It, it just sort of you get um, sort of like when it explodes, you sort of get the your character sort of blocks like an explosion and smoke and stuff, and then you keep going. So it's it's like a, a second, but if you've got multiple liquors and then Mister X going at you. It's um, just just to see Lickers pinwheeling anyone <laughs> anyone that's played that game on hardcore and has to try and fight Lickers. I mean, if it's on console, just just treat yourself if you can. Just treat yourself if you haven't already unlocked it, because it is just oh my word, the glee you'll smile like you're like the first time you played Resi and Resi Two, the original, and lock the unlock the rocket launcher, seeing things blow up in front of you. Just you'll have a childlike smile on your face. I know it's advocating violence against dead things, but still, it, it is very, very fun seeing things pinwheel. And just to see Mister X go down on one knee, just you stay there. Not to say that the the minigun you get with it, which is infinitely shooting, and the uh, submachine gun, which you've got a thirty-two clip, which you've got to reload, but it's infinite ammo anyway. Not saying they aren't fun. The rocket launcher smiles, man. <laughs> just oh if you can treat yourself I don't care how far you are throw it you can still do all the story just treat yourself you don't you don't one shot bosses either so you've got to be strategic with it you don't have to knife any of the bosses if you're trying to get that elusive S plus rank you just go nah see you later bang oh you're still up bang bye bye and then keep running okay uh, so you got anything else video game related switch apart from buying Sekiro no so how do you, you pronounce that how would you pronounce that because you're more Japanese name in Gland. I would say guessing just by looking at it. Sekiro. 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 Nikolaj. Nikolaj. Not even close. Nikolaj. Sekiro, people have completed it very quickly and they said it's there's different varying opinions of the game. It's um it's it's from the company from software who made Dead Souls. Uh, Dead Cells. Dead Cells, no. <laughs> Dead Souls, um, Dark Souls, and uh, Bloodborne. It's that, but you play 
as a ninja. And near the beginning, you get your arm chopped off. Spoiler yes. alert, it's like the first 10 seconds. The, the whole the whole thing of it is you've, you've got to go through the main story, but you've got a prosthetic arm. This guy gives you a prosthetic arm, which you can put attachments to. Of course. So you can, you can zip line to trees, you can attach an axe to it. I think at one point you can spout fire from it, that kind of thing. Chainsaw? This is Japan. Chainsaw? Cupcake? Uh, I don't know. I haven't got that far on it. That's <laughs> just but, thinking because of its evil deadly. But it's, if you imagine really? Dark Souls, but really fast. Yes. But because you're a ninja, you're not built for one-on-one combat, not really. So you either do stealth kills, or there's, there's even a thing where you've got a parry bar, mm-hmm. and you've got to block at the right time, and if you block at the right time, you can get a one-hit kill. And it's really satisfying just to bang, <laughs> bang, <laughs> yeah. But when it comes to like, <laughs> when it comes to like uh, mini bosses and small checkpoints and stuff, you've got to be really strategic how you go about it. So you might be able to set someone on fire. You can, um, you get um, ash piles, and you can have it as an item so that if they're just about to strike, you can throw ash in the face. So classic distraction tactics. So you can do distraction tactics. You can run around. You can hide in bushes like I was a lot. Um, you can try and strike from the rooftops, that kind of thing. But yeah, that came out. I've got that. I haven't gone too much on it because I tend to get really frustrated very, very fast. Because Dark Souls, it's a slow-burning game. You learn as you go along. It's pretty much the same with, with Sekiro, but it's if you're playing through it really fast like I was, you don't learn anything. You don't learn placements of anything. You don't learn where they come from, styles. You just go stab, stab, <laughs> and then run along. So I get really frustrated really fast and then have to go and resi and blow up a zombie. Uh, but apart from that, that's about it. I don't have anything else. So, shall we call that part one then? Sounds good. Okay, so in that case then, stick around for part two, part three, part four, part nine, whatever, however many part parts. Part 4000. That's the one. In the year 4000. Yeah, yes, I like it. Series 4000. <laughs> Bringing it back to what we said at the beginning. Mm. Um, and stick around for the conversation that we had two weeks ago, which will be tacked on to the end of whatever we're doing here. Spoiler! And uh, yes, uh, don't forget to <laughs> don't forget to head over to the website waffletailers.rocks. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Uh, just literally search waffling tailors on either of those two, and you'll find us. Um, There's not many people have anything vaguely remote to that, is there? No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's brilliant. But yeah, check us out. Definitely do that, and uh, catch us again. In, we'll catch you again in part two, part three, whatever it is. Any part thousand. That's the one. Any uh, any parting words there, Squidge? Plimhole. Indeed. <laughs> it's not the Indeed cast. That's true, it's not the Indeed cast. That's a G, isn't it? But yes, definitely check us Hashtag out. Hashtag uh, don't call me Audrey. That's the one, don't call yeah. me Audrey. <laughs> right, we'll catch you again, folks. And uh, this is Kaprogman saying, see you later, folks. See you later, Squidgy. See you later, Squidgy. Also, I'm Itchy. Intro music is Behind the Lines by Ian Sutherland. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by G.H. See the show notes for more details.